0: We've only just begun. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to Living Color Abroad. I'm your host, Angel Rodriguez. And on this episode, you'll be listening to Deirdre, who is living abroad in Bali, Indonesia. Now, Deidre is the founder of Black Travel Fest, which plans trips for people. She has traveled to over 60 countries, and she even has a masterclass on moving abroad. So is going to discuss what it's like to live in Bali, live the island life. She talks a little bit about the black expat community in Bali, and what she has learned throughout her time in Bali. Hope you enjoy. This is A Living Color Abroad. Idra, welcome to In Living Color Abroad. How are you doing?
1: I am doing awesome, and I'm so happy to be chatting with you today.
0: I'm glad. So for those that are tuning in right now, <laughs> I had an issue yesterday. That we were supposed to record this episode yesterday, but my adapter to my computer decided to not work. So we had to postpone it to the following day, and thankfully, I was able to find something here in Costa Rica <laughs> that works. Uh-huh. And now <laughs> here we are. So Deidre, please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure. So I am theoretically a small town girl from Columbia, South Carolina. I spent most of my professional career in corporate as a corporate strategist. And now I spend my days in Bali, Indonesia, and I, I plan group trips through my company Black Travel Fest. It's such a gift, I really enjoy it. And most importantly, I get to kind of create what my best life looks like for me.
0: And how long you been there?
1: So I am heading into year three. I will hit my three year anniversary in August.
0: Congrats. <laughs>
1: and um, it's been a great journey.
0: And so, of course, everyone's wondering, I'm sure. Why Bali? What's the story behind Bali?
1: Okay, so it's interesting because I honestly don't feel like I chose Bali. I feel, in a lot of ways, like Bali chose me. So, mm. um, just to give a little bit of like a backstory, so I had just quit my corporate job. Um, this is like early, like January twenty seventeen. And I decided I wanted to take a do a tour of Southeast Asia. I went to Thailand, Cambodia, and it was meant to be Vietnam, but some of their like light visa issues. Like I just didn't even want to get involved, so I wanted a place that had like visa free entry. Mm. And so Bali popped up on the radar, and so I decided to um, replace Vietnam with Bali. And literally, like this by the second day of the the time I spent in Bali I was like oh I need to move here why <laughs> I needed to move there here like I've no like I mean something literally just spoke to my spirit and I just felt like a yearning like an urge like I just need it was something I needed to do and so that's how I ended up here I know that's like not <laughs> maybe the most <laughs> logical answer that you've ever heard someone give but um I was kind of already in like a free space where You know, it's flexible to kind of make those types of moves, Mm -hmm. and something was stirred inside of my spirit, and so
0: now I'm in Bali. That's kind of crazy, right? And I'm sure you get that (laughs) question all the time because when you think about Bali, you think about, oh, my God, a dream destination, right, for people of, like, I want to go to Bali. But how many people actually say they want to live in Bali, right? That's not a thing that you (laughs) really hear too much. Or if they say they mean, like, you know, it's talking about off the cuff, you know, like, yeah, it would be great to live, like, Mm in a beautiful place. So tell us something about Bali that when you when you arrived that surprised you.
1: I think the most captivating thing there are two things but the one thing that you can't get anywhere else is like how deeply ingrained the culture like their religion is in at the everyday lives of the Balinese people. So it's just so beautiful and it's not, I don't know. I feel like coming from a Western world, um, like I was raised Christian and a lot of times I just feel like you, you're you told certain things and like people go to church on Sundays or they're like the kind that go to church on Easter Sunday and then like they have, like there are two times a year that they go. And, but here, it's so much like a part of their everyday lives. So like they, do like prayer and rituals every single day wow. and that's just like something like the, the people who um i'm renting my house from they come to the shrine in my house like every single day and like do the offering they do the prayer and then like when it's actually you know special religious um times of the year they're there's huge processions, and there's music, and it's just, like, that's just how they live their lives, and I think, like, that's the most um, unique or and the most captivating part about Bali, and it actually is the only predominantly, <clears throat> excuse me, Hindu island in Indonesia. So, you know, Indonesia is predominantly Muslim, mm. but Bali is, like... Ninety-five percent Hindu, and it's like the last remaining wow. Hindu island in Indonesia. So, like, I think that's the most captivating part. A very close second is um, just the presence of nature and like the jungles and the rice fields and the the beaches. Like, it's just so rich with beautiful views and ways to to get it outside.
0: Got it. So let's let's go back a little bit, right, before we we really okay. dive deep into Bali. So. You've been, okay. I saw your profile, Instagram profile, you've been to 60 countries, is that correct? Uh,
1: yeah, a little bit more. Oh. I, I try to only, like, really count every 18 months, so I'm not due to, like, try to tally it. Wow, so for, you've been to more than 60 countries? Yeah.
0: Wow, that is, I mean, first of all, most people could go a lifetime without going to five countries, let alone, yeah. <laughs> let alone 60 countries. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, where did this love of traveling come from? Where did it start?
1: Okay, so my travel... Okay, so I have two answers. So my travel <laughs> journey kind of started with um, going to my grandfather's funeral in Nigeria. I was like 17, and it was really interesting because that was my first time being immersed in a truly like different culture. And it really just opened my eyes, like, to be, you know, pretty young at the time. It opened my eyes to the fact that, like, wow. I mean, one, these are my people because it's from my dad's side. But, like, they're people living completely different lives from what I'm experiencing on a day-to-day basis. And I was like, from that moment, I was like, okay, I need to see more. I just need to see more. Um, and then I think it was basically, like... A year or two years later, so like I went to college, and I did a study abroad in Paris, and that I think is kind of where like my adult travel journey started, because while I was studying abroad, I visited so many countries in Europe. It was kind of like every weekend we are on a train or on like Ryanair flying to the next nearest country. So, um, yeah, I guess it kind of started really with my time spent in Paris
0: wow that's so so going to your to your you said your grandfather's funeral correct mm-hmm. so going to yes. in in nigeria that the sense of like i don't know the world right like there's people living completely different lives everywhere right besides just nigeria but and you want to see those things you want to like expose yourself and immerse yourself in those things is that kind of where, where we're getting at here yeah okay got it yeah got
1: that's that's
0: very accurate <laughs> awesome awesome <laughs> all right so now let's go let's jump now into the timeline back to Bali all right so okay. what surprised you about Bali you told me about the, the Hinduism uh, the pra- practicing uh, the religion what's something that you expected and like ah I knew this was going to happen or I knew this coming in what was one of those things
1: okay let me think about that <laughs> things that I expect oh yeah okay okay <laughs> For sure. I just feel like you're baiting me with this question. Like, you're
0: very clever. <laughs> I'm not, I promise.
1: <laughs> but, but, yeah, I felt like I kind of expected um, people to be, like intrigued by me as an african-american as a black person Mm. and like that was definitely true like i remember so the first time i visited i was doing the southeast asia tour with my sister and like my sister loves attention but i'm like really (laughs) low-key like people wouldn't know that but like i'm really low-key like you don't really need to look at me unless i'm i have a message to share or something like that (laughs) so anyway like everywhere we went people would just come and they just would look And then, like, police officers would literally, like, stop traffic to come take pictures with us. What? Which, (laughs) like, I mean, it was interesting, specifically that experience that we had, like, a few times. Um, You know, coming from the U.S., our, at least, like, from in the African-American, like, in the black community, like, our relations with the police is not, like... Doesn't have the best track record, mm-hmm. and so like when you go abroad and you see like police officers stopping traffic to like approach you, the last thing you have in your mind is, <laughs> this is gonna be they're going to ask <laughs> us to take pictures. Like, what is going on right oh, wow. now? So yeah, that was one thing. I kind of I I knew there would be some level of like interest and curiosity, but I didn't know it would be as much as it is.
0: That is Well, I mean. I've heard so many stories like similar to that, but every time I hear it, I'm still like my jaw just drop. <laughs> like I can't, yeah. I can't. And so okay, so that happens, right? And those things, let's say those things continue, to ha- those things continue to happen throughout your travels okay, in Bali. So,
1: so this is interesting because just in a short three year period, like if I look at 2017 to 2020, it has changed a ton Bali in general is like a place that's rapidly changing all the time because there's so much presence of um tourism here but I think the influx of um black travelers has changed the way like the the Balinese people kind of react so like I get way less like shocked stares from like little kids because they're like oh yeah I've seen black people before but when I first got here like I can tell you like probably each time I encounter a child who is seeing a black person for the first time like there's just a look on their face and they're just like is anyone else seeing this <laughs> but I don't really get, I don't get those looks any, as much anymore so like I only experience it when I go to the more remote parts of Bali where like mm-hmm typically tourists don't go, but there have been so many travelers of color, color like passing through the island now that it's kind of like common, commonplace to, for
0: that's the locals so, That's so, I mean, first of all, it's amazing to hear, but so interesting that you've actually noticed that change of because there's more, you know, and, and who knows, I mean, obviously, this is, it could be a whole other conversation as far as like, why has that happened? Why are there more travelers of color um, traveling to Bali because Bali is not cheap. I mean, it's far, very far away. Yeah, and it's not close. And it's, it's not close. <laughs> it's not cheap. So, you know, that would deter any person, right? But we're talking about, like, you know, socioeconomic status, most people that go to Bali or any place that's more expensive are usually white people. So to to have where you have people of color traveling to a place like a Bali, which is a dream destination for many people, right? Um, that's awesome that you, you've noticed, like, the people, the locals, are like, ah, I'm actually not surprised I'm seeing a black person here in Bali. Like, yeah. it's becoming more commonplace. So that's just really cool to hear that that's actually happening in a place like Bali that, you know, people talk about. And for people that are listening, there are people of colors. like, hey, all right, I'm not going to get stares all the time maybe because there are people that like Deidre living in Bali. And also there's more people okay. of color going to Bali. So that's really awesome to okay. hear. All right. So... As we spoken about Bali, and I'm sure it's gonna be a very popular episode. People are there, <laughs> that that oh, where this airs up, because people, you know, Bali. First thing you think of is tourism, obviously, rapid tourism. So, mm-hmm. out of the expats that are living in Bali, if you do like a breakdown, a very you know, you know, super guesstimation right here of like the breakdown <laughs> of demographic, what would you say it is percentage wise?
1: Okay. So, yes, this is going to be very rough, and I was a management consultant, so if any of my former colleagues (laughs) (laughs) hear my methodology behind this, they're going to be like, okay, that's why you left. Um, Okay, so the largest portion of expats in Bali are coming from Australia, so I kind of liken the relationship between Australia and Bali to be that similar to that of, let's say, like, the Bahamas in the U S mm, mm. like this is kind of their backyard place where they come just for like even a weekend trip. It's a short flight. Um, and then a lot of people end up, uh, relocating here. So I would say probably I'll give it even as much as like 35, 40% of the expats here are from Australia.
0: Mm, okay,
1: That's a lot, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Then the next, the next largest group would be people from Europe. I'm going to give them like 30%, but that's also going to be, um, it's all the different countries in mm-hmm. Europe, right? Cause like, it's really, I, I think there's a, a pretty strong presence of British people and French people okay. from what I've encountered. Um, so now we're at like 70% Mm -hmm. and, or 65, if I go with the 35, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, then I would say it's interesting. I can't really tell whether there are more Canadians here or Americans. Mm. There are a lot of Canadians in Bali, a lot. Um, and so I would split it something like. Let's say, ten percent Canadian, ten percent American, and then like the remaining. Uh, this is why I don't want my colleague, former colleagues, to hear this. What am I at now? I think that's. I need another. About
0: ninety-eight.
1: 10%. Yeah, I'm like at one hundred and fifteen percent. Okay, so then like the the rest of the people are coming from like um various countries in Africa, um some other places in Asia. Um, okay. like East Asia, a few people from Southeast, but it's mostly like developed.
0: So basically developed. you can count on one hand how many expats of color that you've encountered.
1: Um, we have a community here. So like we actually do have a black and Bali group. Nice. And it does grow. It's just, the thing about it is it's transient. So we probably peak at like 60 people. mm and then, you know, people will leave, then people come in. And so it's probably like a community of 60
0: of us. Got it. And for those that, because obviously I have also have friends that are living abroad in different countries. How would you describe uh-huh. um, that community in relationship to Bali? And like, do you notice trends of thoughts that are happening within that community, the black community in Bali? Or is everyone have just a very particular, unique experience while in Bali?
1: So this is interesting. Like, I think that people are having... Like, we have a community. We're probably not as tight-knit. Like, we communicate a lot on WhatsApp, but, like, we don't do as much in terms of, like, meeting up. Mm -hmm. And it's just because there's so many different ways to do Bali. And I feel like everyone is on this, like, unique journey within the island. And so it doesn't... Because this is a place that people usually come to either restore themselves or to discover something or, like, they were pulled here or whatever. And so you're kind of, like, living out that mission. And so people are just having very, very unique experiences.
0: Got you, got you. If that... No, that makes sense. So let's talk talk about your unique experience in Bali then. (laughs) Like the segue, right? (laughs) So that was dope. (laughs) So what has Bali taught you, in your estimation, in these past three years?
1: Oh my gosh, Um, (laughs) I would say the first the first thing would be that amazing things are birthed out of stillness. Mm. So. I'm personally, like, I am a reforming uh, type A personality where I'm like, go, go, go. Like, what's the next project? What's the next thing that I'm going to do? Like, what can I achieve next? What can I accomplish? And when I first got to Bali, my only mission was to just be still. Not to try to make money. Not to try to, like, do all these things. Just to be still and listen to figure out what it is that I wanted And so out of that time that I just took to explore the island and just kind of even explore myself, I, I mean, I learned a lot, but then also my next big project came out of that time. Um, And then so right now, with what we're kind of going through from a global perspective, like everyone kind of needs to stay put and be still, um, I'm in that that birthing process again of coming back to like, okay, so I've been doing X for the last, um, couple of years and I've really enjoyed that. And also I think I have enough space to create something new. And like, so Bali has taught me that when I'm still, that's when I'm able to create. And that's when I'm able to really kind of reevaluate and pursue things that are going to light me up. Um, Mm. I would say another thing that has taught me, and I don't know if you've experienced this, but it's, like, very interesting. Like, I'm realizing how much I don't need. Like, (laughs) I've lived in all kinds of different places. Like, right now I have a a one-bedroom villa, and, like, my living space is outside, and it's beautiful, but it's simple Mm. because I'm kind of, like, I'm a simple person. Like, I'm probably more simple than I even realized when I was mm-hmm. living in the States. And so it's taught me like kind of how to be minimalist and not necessarily like have the need to, to have more. So I actually, every time I buy something, I displace something. So if I buy mm. a new shirt, I'm getting rid of another shirt. Like I'm not just acquiring and like acquiring new things, just to like take up space. Yeah. Um, and I can't, I definitely can't say that was the case before I moved here. Like, I would just, you know, <laughs> acquire new things. And I'm like, yeah. okay, I, well, that still has a tag on it. Never wore it. But this new shirt, I, you know, I need that thing. So,
0: yeah, um, no, I definitely agree with you. Yeah, I would say those on, are the two on, biggest things. Yeah, I would say on that second one, I definitely agree with you uh, moving here to Costa Rica. And I wouldn't say it's because that's like the Costa Rican way. I think they definitely are more chill. It's still a Western country, though. They do. They do uh, mm-hmm. value a lot of uh, Western ideals here in Costa Rica, and oh, they yeah, and um, they I wouldn't say they're materialistic, but there's definitely sectors of the com- of the community I would say in, in more mm-hmm. like a well-off areas here where I'm, where I'm at, where it's definitely like materialistic. But I think okay. because for me personally, I to really speak for myself here, is that because the things are not that easy to obtain here i just don't obtain them <laughs> like, yeah so, yeah that part yeah the amazon amazon is just i'm not going to deal with that here oh like i'm just gosh. i'm not going to pay yeah. those shipping charges and i'm not i don't even know how to receive i have, i don't know how people receive mail here i really do not understand how mail works in this country there's a post oh office but i don't know if you receive personal mail like do you just go to the post office every day like <laughs> yeah
1: yeah it's kind of like stepping back in time right yes
0: yes 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 exactly right <laughs> It's just different. And because it's different, your mind, I think this happens to everyone, honestly, when they move abroad, if they allow it to, is that your mind just adapts. If you like that yep. stillness you're talking about, right? If you allow your body and your mind to be where it's actually in present moment, you will adapt because you don't want to be, you, you find comfort in the uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. If you allow yourself to do that. So I think it's a very powerful thing you're talking about, whereas like you being there, you you... You saw the stillness and the power in that stillness. And I've, honestly, I've I've been around so much green now that I don't know what it's like to be without green. <laughs> yeah. It's a really... Yeah, going cl- back
1: to New York is going to be a slap in the face. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And I still, you know, miss and love New York, but it's, I'm like, wow, I love seeing these palm trees. Wow, I love seeing this mm-hmm. water. this and All these things, it really like opens up, I don't know, something inside of you that, that it's this exposure, right? I think it really is... This exposure of living abroad for people like you and I, people of color and people that are from the United States that we might not have experienced back home. Where now we're mm-hmm. experiencing now wherever we're living. And I think it's a very just powerful thing for people to experience if they choose to do so, right? But, all right. right. So, now we spoke about that um, as far as like what it's taught you. Now, what has been something? Because, again, Bali, beautiful place, obviously. What is something about Bali that you people should know? It's like, listen, there's not such a great thing about Bali. What would it be?
1: um so this one makes me laugh but like okay so in the u.s or even in the west right like there's certain um how would i call it hospitality practices that are common and so i'm i want to be clear that bali has i think like top five hospitality practices that i've seen in the world. Like, all the countries I've been to, Mm -hmm. they're so hospitable and so accommodating. But this is one thing that, like, drives... A lot of people nuts when they first arrive, and, like, it takes a bit of time to get accustomed to. Mm -hmm. Like, when you go to a restaurant, if you order an appetizer... Like, it's two different things. Like, if you order an appetizer and then you order, like, your main meal... You're going to get them both at the same time. <laughs> oh my <And> like, god. like <laughs> this is like this is it's such a small thing, but it's one of those things where like it can it can just kind of take you off the rails because you ordered an appetizer because you're hungry. Of course. Not really because you need extra food, but like now when it arrives with your main meal, it's too much food, right? Oh, like yeah. you need something to nibble on while you're making the meal and then the meal comes, you digest a little bit, and, like, you will almost always get them at the same time. So now we've tried to get hip to the game. And we'll be like, okay, so we want this. We want it first. Arrive first. <laughs> and, like, still 50% of the time, you're going to get both of them at the same time. Wow. And that's just, it's just is what it is. Like, if you're at a, um, a higher-end place, that's more expensive than they, like, kind of understand the concept more. Mm. But, like, it just seems so silly. And the second thing is you will not most of the time all of the people at your table will never get served at the same time
0: <laughs>
1: so like if you order a pizza and like you or the other person uh, orders a pasta like if the person who ordered the pizza gets their pizza first either they need to start eating or their food's going to be cold by the time, time the Oh pasta my person. god is that is long <laughs> Yeah. So it's like they don't really do meal planning. So they just kind of say, OK, well, we got these orders. We put them in like we just started them whenever. Like they don't really time it. Right. Mm-hmm. So if the pasta finishes, they're not going to let your pasta necessarily sit got and be you. get cold. So yeah, they're just going to yeah. bring it. <laughs> so it's just like that's one of those things where even if you're dining together, you're going to be dining separately. Because gotcha, they're not going gotcha. to like plan the timing of the food at most places. Those are silly things. Um, more frustrating things. I think I'm so adapted. Like if you had talked to me maybe <laughs> in 2017, like maybe I'd have more juice for you. But
0: so let's let's talk about let's talk about that that difference between year one and year three what would you say is like the biggest change in Deidre from year one uh, to year three okay okay so this <laughs> is good um I, I'm glad you approved <laughs> I
1: yeah yeah so I am I'm just really patient with people right mm. like I give people all the time and all the patience in the world I'm very impatient with inefficient processes mm. like I'm not patient with inefficiency and I think, like when I first arrived, I'm, I would just look at things and be like, "How is this? How is this the process of how this is getting done?" Like, how, please, <laughs> oh, please to the choir, me talk to you. <laughs> yeah. Like, how are you doing this? Like, this makes no sense. And like, just trying to explain, like, why or even okay. So in in the U.S., you know, we're like the kings and queens of have it your way, uh-huh. and so like you can easily explain why a substitution or something some things like that are rational to a cashier and they'll make the change for you here it could be like hey i don't want the the wedge fries like the steak fries i want the regular fries they're the same price on the menu can you just swap them and they'll be like nope cannot swap and like <laughs> when i first arrived, i'm like what do you mean you can't change it like things like that are just seeing how slow things are are in general, yeah, like used to kind of send me up the wall, and now I'm just like island time. Like it is what yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. No amount of like pouting or stress or pacing on my part is going to change how long it takes. Mm-hmm. So it's better just for me to kind of relax into the waiting and just allow it to be. But when I first arrived, I think I was more like the combat mode of like mm-hmm. we're going to change this and we're going to do mm-hmm. better, and
0: no, run for president no, of Bali, okay. right? No, I think that's definitely. Yeah, yeah you're not. Gonna change it. <laughs> yeah, so. I, th- I think that's definitely the biggest takeaway of any anywhere around the world, right? But you know, and especially places like a Bali or a Costa Rica. Cause Costa Rica is very similar in that way mm-hmm. of like you know, even though it's not an island, it is on kind of like island time in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, is that you're not going to change the places where you are, you you, and you shouldn't want to either, because then what's the right. point of even moving if you just want exactly. the same things you had back home? to where you are and that's been uh obviously it's easier said than done because there are some moments of frustration for me here as well when it comes to like why why is this the way it is here and Uh you know they say pura vida right pure life take it easy chill out you know so it's definitely a big learning curve when it comes to like you know accepting where you are and accepting the way people are right because you got to accept the way people are where you are it's not your home it's their home so exactly chill chill out All right. So now for our last component of the of the episode, so I'm gonna give you some lightning round questions. All right, let's see how you do. Okay. <laughs> all right. Favorite dish.
1: Balinese
0: dish. What's in a Balinese dish? I have no idea. <laughs> no,
1: no, no, no. So my question is fa- uh, favorite.
0: yes 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 correct
1: okay (laughs) so sorry i love the um the mi garang mi garang is basic garang means fried and mi means noodle so it's just a fried noodle dish but there's lots of like fresh vegetables carrots um they can have broccoli spinach um cabbage in there onions it's really flavorful there may or may not be meat and there's like a fried egg on top
0: Oh, that it. sounds really appetizing, actually. That sounds really good. <laughs> it's
1: delicious. <laughs> it's really good. All
0: right. Uh, question, what language do they speak in Bali?
1: Yep, so they speak, in Bali, they speak Balinese, they oh. speak Indonesian language, and they speak English, and they speak all the other touristic languages because they're going to get the paper. So.
0: <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so what, a what is your favorite here. phrase in Balinese? Do you have one?
1: Tidak apa apa. It means mm, no problem. Say it again. Tidak apa apa.
0: Tidak apa apa? Yeah. That sounds, oh wow, I was great. Okay, I'm I'm awesome. I can speak Balinese. Look
1: <laughs> at you. You got it on the first try. I'm
0: going to say, instead of saying puta, I'm going to say tida apa apa. They're like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> all right, awesome. No T- I like that. No problem. Tida apa apa. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And all right, and this one is the big one, okay? This one is probably going to be the hardest one. We'll see. Okay. What is your favorite place in Bali? Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I do actually have a favorite place. It's Sedaman Village. Sedaman. So it's like if you spelled side man and you put it together,
0: Sedaman. Mm, okay.
1: Um, it's just it's right now it's still what Bali was before it became like a tourism hotspot. And it's, like, it's literally, like, if you step back in time, you know, there's beautiful rice fields. Life is just very simple there. Um, there are some, like, hotels and villas that you can rent. But it's just it's slower, you know? Like, your daily activities like, oh, I went for a walk in the rice fields today or I went for a bicycle ride. Um, and you just kind of sink into nature. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I love it there. Um, and so... That's where
0: I go when I need, like, a, a staycation. <laughs> I like that. I like that. All right. And final, final question. I promise. This what, is probably, this you said the last one was a... <laughs> I know. Sorry. This is going to be harder. I just, I, I, okay, I, this is my ahead. podcast. I can do what I want. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Final, final question. For anyone listening to this episode that wants to not just visit Bali, but live in Bali, what would you tell them? I'll give you 60 seconds. The floor is yours.
1: Oh boy. Okay, so I actually have a masterclass on moving abroad. It's largely shaped by my experience of living in Bali, but I would say the the high level steps would be to figure out exactly what matters to you and run like Bali through those requirements. So like whether it's Wi Fi matters to you or health quality of healthcare and like all those types of things. Next, I would say create a really um, detailed budget so you can know what your finances will look like, how much money you need, like how much you should save Um, and then start thinking about some of the visa concerns um, such as how long can you stay in Bali so Bali has a lot of different visas that you can get access to but you kind of have to think through which ones make the most sense for you and then figure out how to get into a community that you would be interested in so there's like a yoga community, there's like the, the nutritionist community, there's like the black community there's I'm sure a Latina and Latino <laughs> community so it's kind of just finding where you're going to fit in and if you are someone who's working remote like kind of think through what your remote options look like from like a co-working space uh, perspective so there's a lot to consider but just because there's a lot doesn't mean that it's Unattainable, or that it's something that you can't or should not pursue, because right. it has absolutely changed my
0: life. So, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Deidre. I really did. I really like how she spoke about like the stillness that she has learned while her time in Bali, and I can relate to that. As you heard in the episode, it's a, uh, it's just very different, right? Especially if you come from like a big city. Or like any city, I should say, and you go to a place like, you know, Costa Rica or, or Bali, you know, it, it's not going to be, it pales in comparison as far as like, you know, population and just way of being. So I have definitely have learned a lot in my time here, and I think it's pretty evident that uh, Deirdre has taken things that she, from Bali and Indonesia and made that into like her own being, right? So i think that's like that's really cool and important but yeah check out her instagram page at Deidre dares and also her other page black travel fest so maybe you could be on some cool trips with her so yeah so on next week's episode you'll be listening to Yanni. now Yanni is living in taiwan now the cool thing about Yanni is that he's from palau which is an island in the pacific now is nearest to the Philippines. Now, what I love about this episode is the fact that I know nothing about Palau. <laughs> so I asked him a lot. He tells, Yanni tells us a lot about Palau, uh, what it's like to live in Taiwan, and the cultural differences between the two places. So yeah, that was a really, he's studying there in, uh, in Taiwan. So yeah, that's really dope. So check that out next week. And as always, if you like what you hear, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribe, follow me on Spotify, and any of your other favorite streaming platforms. See you next week. This is A Living Color Abroad. Peace.